Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that talks all things Bengals and with the playoffs in full swing, a few other bits and pieces to boot. Joining me in the sewing room tonight is the rhubarb to my crumble, the custard to my cream, the randy to my bullock. And the spit to my shine, it's Nathan, the Pittsburgh Steelers will win the Super Bowl. Palmer, hello Nathan. How you doing Paul? I knew you'd uh, throw that one in there this week. And I've had a few people on Twitter give me a bit of stick about that prediction. But I'd like to say that obviously last week I was trying to tempt a bit of fate, goad the Steelers into a full sense of security. And I couldn't be happier to sit here and be wrong. So there we go. Now, last week we had a bit of a mare because one of the mics was broken, but I'm pleased to say that everything should be working nicely uh, this week, which unfortunately means that you'll be able to hear Nathan loud and clear. Uh, and it also means that we won't have to shout down the mic. I have to say, Nathan, last week you sounded a bit like one of those blokes who sits on a bench in a shopping centre who's just drank about five cans of special brew uh, and just shouts random expletives Listen, people. listen, listen. To anyone that <laughs> stayed with us last week, I think that was about the rowdiest we've ever been. So we're going to try and rein it back a bit to more of a sort of 15, 12A sort of scene, I think, this week. <laughs> we might have a few uh, expletives in there, but we're going to be a little bit more PG, I think, this week, aren't we, Paul? Yes, uh, but we are <laughs> drinking still, right? So, we are. What, what you got tonight, Paul? Well, I've got a couple of cans of... Piston head, and um, I, don't, I don't know why that's funny, but and a couple of Adnams Southwold dry hop lager and a bottle of wine if I need it. I we stop. I might have to take that uh, that statement back about the old uh, uh, twelve A fifteen thing. I know, right. Um, now, as ever, we've got a lot to get through this week. Not least because there were some really amazing divisional playoff games at the weekend, and one result, as you mentioned, in particular, we were extremely happy. Did about. you? Do you see it? I did watch it. Unbelievable, wasn't it? What a game. I saw probably... What a game. I mean, I saw bits and pieces of it. And I really thought the Steelers were going to come back there. I did. A bit like a sort of, you know, when you watch, um, you know, when you watch Champions League football and teams bring out their best on the big stage, you sort of felt like the Steelers, you know, they let them get out to a lead and they thought, you know what, we need to turn up now and start playing. And when they started coming back, I think it was when they got it back sort of within a score, I think in the fourth quarter, I thought, oh, they've got this. But massive, massive, massive credit to the Jags. Serious bottle. Yes, absolutely. Serious bottle on the road to get that job done. And we'll come on to this in a minute because I know we're going to talk quickly about the other games. But Blake Bortles, is that not one of the most ridiculous turnarounds you've ever seen for a quarterback where... You, you, you know, every joke in the NFL was about Blake Bortles. Okay, you know, before the start of the season, what's Blake Bortles doing? He's in the AFC title game. Yeah, fair play to him. I mean, he, he did just enough to win. I mean, to be honest, that performance by the Jags was a little, little bit Bengals-like. You know, they jumped yeah. out to a lead. They played a perfect first half of football, and then. They kind of had a really dodgy third yeah, quarter, yeah. and you kind of think, "Oh no, the Pittsburgh, you know, yes. the Steelers are coming back." Vintage Steelers, vintage Steelers. You know, they they again they played on the line. Pouncey should have been ejected. I didn't see that. What happened there? He shoved the ref. Did he? And you can think of a few other players that would have got suspended <laughs> and, and ejected. Certainly, I saw um, Burfitt giving it a bit of lip on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, as you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite funny. But yeah, what a game! Yeah. I mean, what a game! Like proper toe to toe slugfest. It just the steel. I mean, f- say what you want about the Steelers, and we all do quite frequently. 
but some of those throws that Roethlisberger... Antonio Brown's on a different planet. Isn't he? He's better than AJ Green, and that's going to get me some abuse on Twitter, but he is better than Green. I I think, objectively speaking, absolutely. He's incredible. He's not a big guy. I mean, he's big compared to me and you, but he's, he's not... He's not AJ Green or a Julio Jones type build where he's just going to out muscle you, out jump you. He's just got absurd hands. Yeah. And like, feet as well. And absurd feet. And he just, concentration. When the ball comes down, he's, he's always, he's an incredible player. Incredible yeah. player. And some of those, I mean, say what you want. Because I thought Roethlisberger looked very cumbersome at times. Mm. Stood there in the pocket like some massive kind of dinosaur. Um, <laughs> And then, but some of the throws he pulled at that fourth down one to Martavis. Oh my word! I did, I was on my laptop and for some reason the sound went on. I looked over ten seconds left. Looked back and they're all celebrating. I rewound it. Incredible! Like just the separation Bryant got as well. Yeah, yeah. And just hauls it downfield on fourth down. At the, you know, right at the end of the half. But and some of, some of these some of those touchdown throws were. Uh, against AJ Boye, who, yeah. who had fantastic and Jalen Ramsey as who well. Had fantastic there, like, cover- I mean, I'm not too fussed about Jalen Ramsey yeah, because of what yeah. he did to AJ, but yeah, um, some of some of the, I mean, the coverage was really good. So yeah. the throws were brilliant. The catches were so credit were where credit was due. Really, is unfortunately, is that the last we're going to see of Big Ben? I, you know what he's like. He's such a drama queen, isn't he? <laughs> He's like, oh, I've got a dodgy ankle. It hurts. The geezer's taken some punishment, though. He has, he has. Um, but you know, it's kind of he, he does like to kind of draw things. How old out. is he? About thirty-six. He's 38? about sixty-three, I think. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 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 getting into his. He's definitely mid-thirties, isn't he? Without looking, but he's um, later though. I think he's about thirty. I'm gonna go thirty-eight. I still think. I still think. Yeah. Um, I still think he's got another season or two in him. I think this is turned. As, this is turned into a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. If you hadn't noticed, I mean, it I'd lo- I'd lo- yeah, I know. Let, let, I mean, I feel uncomfortable talking about <laughs> Pittsburgh, but I mean, but let, let's round it off then by saying how amazing it was for the Jags to come where they come from. Yeah, how they built that roster, both kind of like with very high draft picks and amazing defensive players, but they've also supplemented those players nicely in free agency and I think that's that's a template that you know who could yeah. well do with copy. Do you know what there are a lot of teams that in free agency have been aggressive and they've had a lot of success. Atlanta did it. They went and got Alex Mack. They yep. paid a lot of money to get arguably the best centre in the game. They paid an absurd amount of money to a man that we know well, Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. I went and got him. And you know what, they've been extremely successful. Their offense has turned a corner. It's maybe the most explosive in the NFL. Jacksonville last year went and got, I'm pretty sure it was Malik Jackson, wasn't it? And Calais Campbell. And they went and paid a lot of money for him, and the Jags were still useless last year, and everyone's saying, wait, it doesn't work, you're throwing well, money they, at they, people. They showed They were better, like, yeah, but they definitely. were still poor. And you build those pieces, and you put people in the right place, you just, you know, have another year, you maybe get a few more pieces, and all of a sudden you're in the AFC title game. Mm. We're still with Blake Bortles. And you forget with the Jags, no one talks about this. Alan Robinson, their number one wide receiver, undisputed, is, yep. he's out. Yeah, he's like us playing without AJ Green. You, you rely on Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee, who are talented, but they're not that good. No, but then it comes down to scheme. It comes down, as you say, yeah. bottle comes down to making the throw. Yeah. I mean that that little cheeky play action mm. when they were kind of like oh, within yeah. the five yard line was just beautiful, yep. wasn't yep. it? Yeah, yeah. And I think Leonard Fournette. I mean that he really. Is writing with a shout of winning, um, of winning. Uh... Oh, we've got the cat back. 
we'd cut the cat back. <laughs> He's got to be in with a shout of Offensive Rookie of the Year. The cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he suits Jacksonville's scheme absolutely yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm not quite sure whether he would have suited our scheme too much but he's had a fantastic year Doug Marone I mean when they hired Doug Marone you've seen the Jack it's like the Browns they go through so many coaches you don't rate them Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin to turn that team around in one year to go to the AFC title game and who knows where they could go who who knows they don't roll over New England roll over whoever comes out from the NFC and the Jacksonville Jaguars are your Super Bowl champions I mean wouldn't that be incredible it would be incredible and a great story it would make a lovely change from the usual kind of I mean, it'd be oh. great if they beat the Pats, right? Oh my! I, can you I, see it? I, can you see it? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, no, 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 I'm going to try and goad it again. No, but I mean, can you? Yeah, I can see them beating it, but I don't think they will. The, the Pats are just their defense, though, could stifle Brady a bit. There, yeah, absolutely. So it could be low scoring, but yeah. then again, you probably would have said that in the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, but yeah. it was a complete offensive shootout. True. But that game had everything, didn't it? The, oh yeah. The kind of fantastic defense, sacks, interceptions, fumbles, amazingly athletic, like yeah. wide receiver play. I mean, I I despise uh, Le'Veon Bell, but he he's had a, he, he's a great player. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely hilarious that they lost. Yeah. And Absolutely. a lesson learned for them. And Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Say it again. Ju- well, easy for me to say. Go on. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Seven out of ten. Oh, seven out of ten. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, uh, okay, right. Um, I think, him. I think. Juju. Should we stick with Juju? <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with that. Juju, I'm flipping my middle finger at you right now, my friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what a weekend of football, though. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee... And the Pats wasn't as Not close, but the Falcons Eagles game was a really, really yeah, great yeah, game. Yeah. Um, and also, obviously, the Vikings that incredible finish against. I didn't New- watch New the Orleans. end of that, and I watched the first half. I watched a good amount of it, and the Vikings were just oh, seventeen up, and I was thinking, good for Zim, like he'll get that. Woke up the next morning and having a look at this, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Sometimes though, in these games, this is me being a bit of a conspiracy theorist here. <laughs> Do you not think that was almost a bit like the NFL's been dwindling in the ratings? It needs some blockbuster games. That was a bit like what was it? Like ten seconds to go. That get, did you see that? Do you see that missed tackle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I might have been able to get a better effort than that geezer. He just completely <laughs> missed him. Everyone was equating it to like when on Madden when you press X too yes, early to tackle yeah, him yeah, and you yeah. just fly in front of him. And there's no deep safeties. There's no one behind them. No. Surely with 10 seconds left, you have two safeties about 40 yards down the field. And they just wait there. And if anyone does get free, you can sort of box them and pen them in a bit. But all they needed Madness. was a field goal, wasn't it? So Oh, okay, yeah. All they needed point. was a field goal. So, But yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he absolutely, completely buggered that tackle oh, up, didn't mate. he? And Poor geezer. But I've seen on Twitter today that he's got a hero's welcome back in New Orleans. All the, nice. all the fans nice. have just said, look, you know, it's a mistake. That's nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a good rookie season. He's your so, rookie as well. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> what a way to learn. What a way to learn your trade. They'll be back there. You know, the Saints are a well-run organisation. They're, you know, always involved. Um, yeah. Um, we, I mean, what it was an, a stupendous... It just shows you the playoffs, right? As Tim yeah. said last week, you can't bet on anything. No, that's a good point. Form form books kind of go out the, the window a little bit. Yeah. You can't you can't predict these things because there's so much on the lines. That the intensity 
is is ratcheted up a couple of notches that kind of desperation and playing with your hair on fire. And that's where I think the Bengals need to pick that up. You need, We needed the performance like that from the Bengals. And you know where I think we came close once was that Indianapolis game when we were completely shredded of any sort of, like we had like Green was out, yeah, Eifert yeah. was out. You know, we were leading heavily on Burkhead. We really mm. didn't have a lot. I think Marvin Jones was Burkhead out. was playing wide receiver. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. And we gave it a fair fight in that, knowing full well that we had nothing there. And sometimes you do just need to turn up and give your absolute yeah. best. And sometimes I think the Bengals are a bit guilty of, you know, playing within themselves in big games like that. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting when we're talking, and I want to equate this sort of situation back to the Bengals, is you look at the the final four teams... Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, Tom Brady. <laughs> now, Tom Brady. Yes. Nick Foles. I think I know where you're going. With Nick this one. Foles is a bit of a different one because it's not like he was the quarterback there all season in Philadelphia. So I understand mm. that. But still, for them all, three of your last quarterbacks, not one person would have put any of those three quarterbacks in the top half of quarterbacks coming into the no. season. Not anyone. Not even a really passionate Jags fan, I don't think. No. And I think that's where you have to look at Andy Dalton and people, you know, cry out, oh, we need an elite quarterback, we need a top 10 quarterback, we need to blow it all up and start again. If you put a good defense on the other side of the ball, you give him the right skill positions, you don't have to have an elite quarterback. No, I agree. I, I think it does. It, it helps. It helps. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is there's probably like two, three, you know, who we got? We've got Brady. We've got Breeze. We've got Rogers. Ben. Who, ben I would, I'd put Ben in that conversation. Ben, I think it's just a little level below those May, guys. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But the fact is that... Rogers. That, yeah, like three absolute yeah. Hall of Famers. I mean, Ben will probably get to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he will, yeah. But then everyone else is a much of a muchness, and they're quite average. Mm. They, they being consistent in the NFL is very, very difficult, especially for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you look uh, at I mean, you look at sorry, Paul Carroll. No, I was just going to say. Then it's all about momentum. It's all about the team around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bengals have tried to do that in the in the recent past, most notably the 2015 season with amazing wide receivers, a yeah, good offensive yeah. line, decent running backs, a yeah. good defense. They're making uh, Dalton's job easier. Yeah, yeah. And of course, but when that falls down a little bit and Dalton's kind of, in fact, not just Dalton, anyone of his comparable skill level, if you're leaving him to do all the hard work and carry the team, you just can't do it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the thing with Andy Dalton as well is that, you know, he, I mean, he was the M- he was in an, a, a very serious MVP discussion in that year. Like, he, yeah. he I think, and I think right now, we are extremely handcuffing him. And like, you all know my thoughts on Bill Lazor. We know the offensive line is atrocious. And I think when you've got, a lot, and he's had a lot of change at the offensive coordinator position. He went from one, Jackson straight into Zampese for only a year, straight into Bill Lazor, who's got his own ideas. And as a, any quarterback, I think, will tell you that once you're changing that a lot, you you know, the signals change, the play, the play sheet changes. And it takes a while to get used to it. And it takes a while, especially to get used to it, when your offensive line is having you on the run all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I, I think honestly, we might have had one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year. And I think for a quarterback with a terrible line, it, it, it must put a lot of fear into your head. It must, must start, you know, you must play tricks with yourself a bit and seeing ghosts yeah. in the pocket. Yeah. And I, I think Dalton is our guy. I don't want to have a huge Andy Dalton discussion now, but... 
give him a good defence and some pieces around him. And I think it's a lot easier and a lot quicker to do it that way than it is to blow the whole ship up, for mm. sure. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any point blowing it up because we've got talent there. Mm. What's the point in blowing things up? Jeff Hobson it- said it quite well last week, didn't mm. he, when he said, he said, I mean, I'm not sure I agree with him entirely, but he was saying that, you know... That you don't want to miss the window of AJ yes. Green and Geno Atkins and Andy Dalton, and that's why we should keep Marvin, blah, 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 blah. But it is a little bit like that with Dalton. You don't want to just start again completely and have, you know, take a quarterback three years to find his rhythm when you have got these players in their peak. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, what the Bengals are doing to address uh, the improvements needed on the team, certainly in the backroom staff, this week they've sort of completed their uh, coaching staff for the for the forthcoming year. I mean, as we mentioned, uh, Bill Lazor's going to have a proper full training camp as <laughs> offensive coordinator, so he can be properly judged. Um, yeah. Now, um, in a sort of a strange kind of swap deal, Paul Alexander today has been named Dallas offensive line coach, <laughs> and we've got ex-Dallas offensive line coach Frank Pollock. And the... The Cowboys finished third in yards per carry each of the two seasons. I kind of thinking we've got the best side of the deal on that one. See, I, this, this whole like there's been a lot of ramblings about this whole assistant coach thing, and people to the like the Bengals fans seem quite infused by it, and we seem quite happy about it. I just think it's 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 you know to judge a head coach's job in the NFL is difficult. To judge a coordinator's job is even more difficult. To judge assistant coaches, I just don't know how we can make judgments on it. Well, because no, I, you, agree. I don't think you can equate the success that Pollock's had in Dallas to him as a coach. I mean, it's easy to coach good players, and you've got players that you know in Dallas that are first round picks. So people like Lael Collins who fell a bit; they were able to get him. You have got Tyron Smith, I think, he's one of their tackles, mm-hmm. extremely good player. There's a lot of good talent on that team, and you know. If you gave Paul Alexander like he's going to do and you've got Ezekiel Elliott running the ball next year and you've got the talent on that line, I don't think Paul Alexander's going to, you know, all of a sudden regress that talent. Yeah, it's very. It's like Pep Guardiola taking over Man City yeah, with exactly, about three exactly. trillion pounds behind yeah. him to spend on players and also the players that he's got. No, I absolutely agree with that, but certainly the pedigree of Frank Pollack is coming from a system he's worked with good and players. a team yeah. that has been consistently good. Why'd they let so, him go? Well, who knows? Maybe he wanted a new challenge, yeah. maybe. But Ian Black made a very good point. Ian, Ian's on Facebook. He contacted us. Grabbing the coaches is one thing and encouraging, uh, but particularly with Pollack, they needed to give him some... What did he say? Hold on. They need to give him some... They need to give him something to work with. You can't polish a turd. <laughs> All true. eyes on free agency in the draft. And yeah, that's very true. true. So we've got to give him some stuff to work with. But a good coach, I think makes average players better that they, they get the most from them so it will i mean i mean on paper i think it's a, a really exciting hire yeah yeah but it's just a case of who, what he's got to work with it's not obviously rubber stamped that the line is going to turn into a top five unit no absolutely not but I, certainly pedigree wise i think it's a really exciting hire um I'm on the fence. Okay. All right. We've got Durante Jones, uh, who's come in as secondary coach to replace Kevin Co- uh, Kevin Coyle, and Alex Van Pelt, who sounds like uh, an 80s action <laughs> movie star, uh, who comes in as quarterback coach from Green Bay, where he spent the last six years working with 
some unknown quarterback by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Again, to me, that's quite exciting. Yeah, I mean, when I, the first one, when I read Alex Van Pelt on your screen, I thought you were referring to um, Bradley Van Pelt, the geezer. <laughs> do you remember that dodgy geezer on Sky Sports who used to do the analysis? Um, some Bengals UK fans might get that reference. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think working with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that is an exciting thing because Aaron Rodgers, not only is Rodgers such a talented quarterback in terms of physically, mentally, he's as sharp as a knife. So you hope maybe, you know, he's worked with this guy and um, he can give some of that influence to Andy Dalton. So fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. I think what Van Pelt might be, might who knows we're speculating wildly yet van again pelt. van pelt his name is van pelt um and he blows things up in a vest he's got a mullet and a mustache paul's having too much fun with this yeah i know i could go he could be like a regular character in this podcast <laughs> alex van pelt um we need to get him on as a guest oh, let's I try imagine. and get him on let's try and do it and on the line from Cincinnati, it's Alex Van Pelt. Alex, how are you? We're getting Alex Van Pelt on this podcast within 12 months, I promise you. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think, again, it's very hard to quantify without having worked with him on a day-to-day basis. But you look at Rogers, and Rogers is the absolute master at staying cool in oh, the pocket. Yeah. Now, if there's one thing Dalton could do with is some calming down in the pocket. Yeah, true. And, and as you mentioned earlier, he sees ghosts, and that's that's there are mitigating circumstances for that because of the yeah, offensive yeah. line. But if he can just calm down a bit in the pocket, just a little bit, then he could be all right. Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt. <laughs> his name is... Oh, sorry, I could do that all night. Um, now, we do have a special guest this week, and believe me, it is a very special guest. But before we get to our special guest, um, we should mention that in the, in the period between uh, last episode and now, that the London games for 2018 were announced, and... There were some hopes that the Bengals were going to uh, be one of those games, but unfortunately, I got clipped off on the morning of the announcement saying it ain't going to happen. One of your so- all your anonymous sources. One of my it? anonymous sources, my uh, my deep throat. Um, you sound like um, Adam Schefter. That's right. Yeah, I am the Adam. Well, I'm not really. Um, <laughs> you are the Adam Schefter of Bengals UK. <laughs> <laughs> um, now this year's games: Seattle versus Oakland at one. Great game. Could potentially be a game. Oakland, one of those teams. Actually, do you know what? John Look, Gruden coming over is a big seller yeah, as well. And Paulie G. Yeah, might, true. Might, yeah, yeah. might nip down the Emeralds and say hello again. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia versus Jacksonville. Another cracker. Yeah. So the uh, Seattle-Oakland game is at White Hart Lane, all being well, uh, on October the 14th. Philadelphia versus Jacksonville at Wembley on October the 21st or 28th. Tennessee versus the Chargers at Wembley on Decent game as well. October the 21st or the 28th. So, And I think ticket details are going to be released pretty soon. So they're three cracking games. Well, I mean, but, Nathan, go on. There's a but in all this, isn't there? Is there? Well, the fact that there's three games. Yes. I mean, I was, I was going like to come on to that. But three what, games. What I'm going to say really quickly is I think the NFL have been extremely unlucky in years gone by where they've brought teams over and they just seem to, it's almost like a curse. Yeah. Like the Jags will turn up and they'll be 0-6 and you're trying to sell tickets for an 0-6 Jags against like a 2-4, and 4, you know, Buffalo Bills or something like that. And they've been really unlucky with it. But there's still been that level of engagement from UK fans that, you know what, send whoever you want over here, we're going to turn up and watch it. 
Whereas this year, that is some serious caliber of teams that are there. Every team on that list really is an above 500 team. That and there's a lot of marquee players: Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Carson Wentz. Jacksonville, the whole defense really. There's a, a plateau of players on a plateau. What's the word there? Uh, a plethora. A plethora. A plethora. Of... See, we need a bit. Paul is my grammar check on this podcast. A plethora. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, a plethora. You can't say a plateau. No, a plateau is where you kind of like level off. Okay, well, that's not what. <laughs> In today's lesson, that. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the, was it a plethora? <laughs> a what? A plethora. Well, Joe, now, the Jags have got a stack. The defense will go. Tennessee, you got Demarco Murray, Marcus Mariota. Um, and obviously Philip Rivers with a charge. I mean, there's some seriously good games there. Coming backwards to the three games, I'm shocked. I don't really get it. You've got Twickenham. Wembley could probably do three. And I thought Spurs were going to do a couple. So I don't really understand what that's happened with that. And I'm going to ask there's you... Also, it should be said there's also a game in Mexico City as well. The there's Rams. always a game in Mexico City, though, isn't there? Someone there said there'd be a German, game in Germany. Yeah. Which I think would be huge because... Germany had a bigger market than we did with the old NFL Europe. Right. There was about That's six right. teams there, That's the right. Rhyme Fire and all them lot. Yeah. But my question to you, Paul, is what's the future of the NFL in the UK? That's uh, a big it's question. really difficult because they put they put down roots in, in the UK now and we're kind of used to going to uh, the games every year. I'm going to say something quite controversial. Ooh. I don't like the London games. Really? I don't. I, I know a, what you mean. On a selfish level... I know what you I've mean. seen Tom Brady play. I've seen Randy Moss play. I've seen Drew Brees play. Uh, I've seen Blake Bortles play. <laughs> I've seen AJ Green play. I've seen Geno Atkins play. I've seen future Hall of Famers play on my back. On my back. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Nathan's just... I don't know what the... I was going to say something rude there, but... Sorry his, about that. His beer exploded. Nathan's <laughs> just exploded. Um, I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit old school. I just like my... American football to stay American. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm and I must I must put a caveat in by saying everything else I'm a globalist. I hate internalization. I hate um building up walls. I love yeah, the yeah. way the world has become a bit more of a global village or at least it did before a year or two ago. Yeah. Um so but in this instance I just love the fact that American football is American. What's funny is when I first got into America, and that's not going to be popular with a lot of no, our it's not. Because I mean, I, I like the games. I think honestly, from when I first went to the first one, I was a bit like, God, this is, they've done a really bad job here of translating it. Mm. But I think now the game day experience, it's the whole atmosphere better, is a lot better. But I mean, I, when I was a fan, I mean, I was a fan. I must have been about two thousand two or three when I started becoming a Bengals fan. No one knew anything about American football, and now pretty much everyone you know is an American football fan or appreciates it and doesn't give you any stick for it. And the growth is extra- extraordinary, really. And yeah. I just don't get the three games. Is it treat them mean, keep them keen for us as fans? I don't get it. Is Who it knows? lack I mean, of it, capacity? It could be. That I think it, I think a lot hinges from what I've read on White Hart Lane and whether that's going to be ready or not. Because mm. apparently that, you know, the game, Seattle versus Oakland at White Hart Lane, might not the stadium might not even even be ready for that. So yeah. Wembley's on standby, um, but I don't know. That's just me. I I I think you're right. It's unstoppable now. But why go backwards? Who knows? As I say, I think it might be a logistical thing yeah. this year. Um, 
And who knows, that might be a German thing. Maybe they want to grow it outwards, you know. But where do you stop? Do you go China? Do you go Japan? For me, it's all about money and a little bit of greed, actually. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but on a selfish level, as I say, seeing these players up close in the flesh playing in front of your eyes is an amazing experience. Yeah. And we had, we had such, I, I keep saying it, but we had such a laugh when the Bengals oh, came huge. over. It was such a great occasion. And it gives the opportunity for people who can't get over, get over to Cincinnati and, frankly, probably never will because of the, the experience yeah, and all the rest of it. They, it gives them a chance to see their team. Absolutely. And I know that the NFL wanted to bring the remaining teams who hadn't been over before, yeah. teams like Seattle and Green Bay, over. Uh, I'm not sure what's happened to Green Bay, but you know, can you imagine Green Bay giving up a, a home game? At well, Lombo? I mean, they, they have got the biggest fan base of UK fans, haven't they? I mean, yeah, it's quite yeah. extraordinary. Them um, and the Jags. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the whole NFL UK thing, we could talk about the direction of that. I've got some strong opinions on that. I know you have. It's almost a topic for another podcast. Absolutely. When it goes a bit sleepy in the off season. But yeah. we've got a very special guest, Paul. Why don't you uh, introduce him? Yes, we really do have a special guest this week. Now, if, if I asked any Bengals fan to name five legends, like real true legends from the club's history... Um, you'd probably name Anthony Munoz, Boomer Esiason, Chad Johnson, Max Montoya, Carson Palmer maybe, Ken Riley maybe, Isaac Curtis perhaps, but very definitely this man. In a 15-year career with the Bengals, he not only ended up becoming the club's all-time leading passer, but also led us to our first ever Super Bowl in 1981. Um, he was a four-time Pro Bowler, a first-team All-Pro in 1981, a two-time second-team All-Pro, the NFL's most valuable player in 1981, the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, NFL Combat Player of the Year, four times NFL Passer Rating Leader, two times NFL Passing Yards Leader. I'm sure you're kind of, with all these clues, you're kind of guessing who it might be. Um, I'm So I'm absolutely delighted and even honoured to say that on the line is none other than the original number 14 quarterback, Ken Anderson. Kenny, are you there? I am here, and I'm glad to be talking to you guys. And, you know, it was so nice to get the chance to meet you just about a year ago when the Bengals were playing in London, and we were at a Bengal bar, and you were there, and uh, it, it kind of continued from there. Absolutely. I mean, one of my fondest memories was that, uh, I mean, I wanted to ask you about London, the London experience, because we were there in the Admiralty pub, having a fine old time, and then suddenly standing next to me at the bar was Ken Anderson, the Ken Anderson. Seriously, I had to do a, a double take, and all credit to you, Ken, you didn't disappear into the VIP areas. You were in the bar, <laughs> mingling with fans, happy to have your picture taken. It was an amazing experience for, for us fans, but what, what was it like for you? It must have been a bit, was it strange? Was it more than you expected? Well, I, I, I tell you what, um... I had been to Scotland to play golf for a week, and uh, this was my first time to come to London. And, uh, you know, we got there at the beginning of the week, and uh, my wife and I had a fantastic time. I don't think uh, for the first five days we were in a motorized vehicle. We walked everywhere mm -hmm. and just had the best time and, and found some great pubs. Um, I, one of our favorites was, was the old Chester Cheese, I believe. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, what is it, like remodeled 1865, and the guy in there said, we've got beans older than your country. Um, no, it was, uh, it, it, walking was the best because traffic over there is a little bit of a problem. 
Oh, wow, wow, wow. Absolutely. But I think that's the best way to see somewhere like London, right? You just take off and walk and um, and just kind of go for it, right? Oh, yeah. No, we, we just had a, a wonderful time. Um, you know, and I wish the Bengals would have won the game, but, you know, all that way for a tie, kind of like kissing your sister. Right. Um, you know, I really was impressed with Wembley Stadium. And, I mean, obviously the games in London have been announced for the next upcoming year. Unfortunately, we didn't get the Bengals back, but if the Bengals were to come back next year and there's been some rumours about maybe next year could be the year for them coming back again, would you love to make that trip over here again? Oh, you can count on it. Uh, we had a, a fantastic time. Absolutely. And we're going to move on now to some more sort of Bengals-related questions. Um, and the first one that's really hot on everyone's minds at the moment is the bringing back of Marvin Lewis. Um, I don't know what your relationship is with Marvin, but were you surprised that he came back? And do you think that was a good decision for him to come back? Yeah, I've, I've got a very good relationship with Marvin. And, and you know, I, I coached there for 10 years, and, and, and I was not retained when Marvin came in. And I think, you know, every head coach has the... the the right to bring in his assistant. So, uh, you know, I left on very good terms with Mike Brown, and I've always had a great relationship with Marvin. And, in fact, I live in Hilton Head, South Carolina now full-time, and he's got a second home down here. So when he does get any time off, uh, we play some golf together and always pop into his office when I'm back in town. So uh, I, I really like Marvin. I, I think he's a, an excellent head coach. Uh, I'm glad they brought him back. Um, I, I think it was time to kind of shake up some of the assistant coaches. And, you know, I know Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, left uh, to go to Oakland with, with John Gruden. So we'll have a, we've got a new coordinator there that, that came in from um, uh, Detroit. Um, and then uh, Bill Lazor, who uh, took over at the beginning of the year, is now the full-time offensive coordinator. So, you know, I, I think he's assembled a, a good coaching staff. I know the players like him and respect him and, and play hard for him. Now, um, we had a bit of a cat intervention there, Kenny. <laughs> I apologise if you heard our cat in the background there. Um, but uh, I think the cat has been moved to another room now. So um, <laughs> I want to take you well, I'm back. Wait, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for my dog to come in and join us. All right, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get just like a big pet interview. We'll do a pet podcast next time. Um, okay. Uh, now, I wanted to, I'm, I'm a bit of a Bengals history buff and... Um, so I, I'm very intrigued to, to hear some of your experiences when you were playing, if that's okay. I, I want to take you back to 1971, and you'd been drafted by the Bengals, uh, a team that was only kind of like two or three years old. Um, what were your first impressions? Because you were going to a team that was coached by the legendary Paul Brown. So did you, were you excited by that fact? Were you kind of, did you know all about Paul Brown before you had come to the Bengals? Oh, very aware of Paul Brown. And, uh, you know, it was a, a perfect fit for me. You know, I was from a, a small town in, in Illinois, and I went to, a, you know, a Division three school, the smallest level of college football, Augustana College. We only had 2,500 students. Um, so going to Cincinnati, which had a very small town feel to it, was perfect for me. Um, being with Paul Brown uh, was perfect for me but I, I think maybe the greatest advantage I had is my offensive coach my first five years was Bill Walsh mm. who of course uh, was the founder of the, the West Coast offense so you know being there uh, and being around those two and having a chance to learn the, the fundamentals of playing quarterback 
Virgil Carter was the starter when I got there, and uh, I did get to play four games when he broke his collarbone. But uh, to be able to be in that situation and learn from him, uh, both Paul and Bill, was a tremendous advantage. And then, of course, in 1972 in training camp, I won the starting job. And then going on to Bill Walsh, as you say, he was kind of another... I mean, Cincinnati has had some innovators in its time. You look, you know, a generation on and, and, and Sam White and what he brought with a no-huddle offense. Um, but, but, but would Bill, what kind of guy was he? He seemed like a very different personality to Paul Brown. And, and just talk about how easy it was to transition to the West Coast offense. Well, you know, the advantage that we had in, in those days uh, you know, now players can't spend as much time there in the off season. You, you can't have as as many uh, practices uh, in the off season. And you know, in, in those days, the draft was in January, and 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 I moved to Cincinnati the, the first of February, and he and I met on a daily basis. So I mean, I was was going over for hours every day, filled with him, learning the offense, and, and we would go on the field by ourselves and he would teach me the fundamentals of becoming a drop back passer and literally you know when we first started i mean i'm just walking in place just stepping in place and throwing the football to get the feel of the rhythm for a three five and seven step drop and and then you know that a week later we're walking through it and then jogging through it and so you know we had the, the ability to, to take it very slowly uh, at that point in time. And then, you know, in those days, we went to training camp. We were training camp for nine weeks. Uh, my first training camp, we reported July 7th, and we didn't break training camp until September 15th. So uh, we, we had a, a lot more uh, time spent on the practice field to learn the craft. Now, obviously, Bill was overlooked uh, for the head coaching job, and Forrest Gregg came in. Um, was that a big surprise to you? Because he was kind of your mentor and... Uh, confidant and probably a lot a really good close friend right so it must have oh, been a big surprise to everyone not least yourself really well I, I don't think it was a surprise our offensive line coach uh, was a, a tremendous coach Bill Johnson in fact he was uh, a center for the, the San Francisco 49ers and he was on I think the the all 50-year team for the NFL he was that good of a player was a tremendous line coach and and I remember, you know, my thoughts at that, day, at that period of time, I wish Bill would have stayed, but I thought that Bill Johnson was the best choice for head coach uh, at that moment in time. And, of course, so, yeah, For Forrest Gregg came, came in after Bill, didn't he? That's right. Um, right. It was, it was Bill Johnson, and then they let him go, and we had Chief uh, Homer Rice uh, for a year before Forrest came. So when, when Forrest came in, you were steadily throughout the 70s, you were building a good team there. And, I mean, it really was a good team. By the time you got to that Super Bowl, you'd really built up a fantastic team. And you had the likes of Anthony Munoz and Dave Lapham on the offensive line. You had all-pro tight end Dan Ross. You had Pete Johnson at fullback. There was Isaac and Chris Collinsworth at wide receiver. Uh, and on the defense, you had the likes of Ken Riley, Louis Breeden, Eddie Edwards, Jim LeClaire. I could go on. But I guess what I w wanted to ask is if some of um, our younger Bengals fans out there in the UK haven't seen that team play, um, what, were your, what were the team's defining characteristics? What were you really, really good at, apart from yourself, obviously? 
Well, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at the history of the Bengals, we were really good in 73, 74, 75, even 76, and, and started to have a, a little decline in, in, in 78, 79. Um, you know, and, and the team became undisciplined, our uh, uh, offensive line. Uh, I, I think, you know, the Browns would have said it was below average. And then all of a sudden when, when Forrest came, you know, we got the likes of Anthony Munoz. And then, you know, with him also was Max Montoya was a tremendous guard. Absolutely. Blair Bush was a, a number one draft choice at center. We had Mike Wilson uh, at right tackle. You mentioned Dave Lapham, another guy named Glenn Bouznock. So I think the, the, the turnaround for us as an offense came when our offensive line became really good. And, it allowed me the time to use our weapons. And, of course, you mentioned them with, with Chris Collinsworth and Isaac Curtis and, and, and Danny Ross. We had a running game. Um, but I, I think that the thing that, that Forrest brought uh, was a, a no-nonsense approach to football. Uh, uh, I always say he made us not only mentally tough but physically tough. We had very physical practices. Uh, even when the season started, we were in pads a lot. We hit a lot. Uh, he he toughened us up and it, it paid off. Ken, I'm going to fire you. You've given us some really, really interesting insight um, into the history of the Bengals here. And we're going to let you get away soon. So I'm just going to fire a couple of quick questions at you um, and just get a few uh -huh. quick answers and we're going to go through them. So in your opinion, what is the one play in your career that you look back on with the most pride, like the best play of your career? <clears throat> oh, wow. <laughs> you know, what uh, a play. Well, you know, gosh, you know, I, I remember uh, on one time we, we were playing, I guess it'll be two plays, it was back in, in I guess, uh, maybe 1972, 73, we were playing the Miami Dolphins, and we ran our, our triple pass for a touchdown. Uh, it was a real rainy day, and I hit, uh, you know, handed off to the running back, who gave it to Isaac, who pitched it back to me, and I hit Trumpy for a touchdown, and, and then the, the winning score came on a 12-yard quarterback sneak when it was the only ones that knew what was happening was Bob Johnson and I. Fantastic. And who would but, you say who would but, you say was I, one of the I, most talented players you've ever played with? Uh, well, you know, Anthony, I, I'll go Anthony Munoz because he was the best ever at his position. Um, just a, a tremendous guy. And then the next one, you know, I'm going to go Isaac Curtis. Uh, people yeah. don't remember that that Isaac was also a world-class sprinter, and they wanted him to try out for the relay teams for the, the Olympics. Uh, and, he, and he stuck with football. And uh, he was, but, he, you know, unlike some of the, the, the receivers that were track men that tried to be football players, he was a, a football player that had track speed. Ken, I'm going to pin you down here. What is the Bengals' record going to be for the 2018 season? How are they going to finish up? I think they're going to have a good year. I think they're going to be 11 and 5. Wow. Well, we'd yeah. take that, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think they've got a lot of things going. Uh, you know, uh, last year, I think the weakness at the start of the season was our offensive line. Um, you know, we let uh, what Whitworth and Bodine go. And, you know, I understood that at, at the time. They were veterans. You know, they were going to get a lot of money in free agency. And, and we had high draft choices to take their spot. Unfortunately, those high draft choices weren't ready to play. And I think, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, suffered as a result of that. Uh, you know, and I've been through it that when you're experiencing a, a lot of pressure, sometimes when you don't have it, you're still seeing it. And uh, I think Andy won't, won't bounce back and, and because the offensive line will be more solidified. Uh, I, I think he's going to have a good year. And, and if he has a good year, the Bengals will as well. Absolutely. I mean, Ken, um, 
obviously the Super Bowl that you appeared in didn't quite go the way that we all wanted it to go, and you obviously didn't want it to go, but um, you, you also retained your links with Cincinnati, and you were quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator during the 90s. Um, so your, your roots in the town and with the club are pretty pretty deep there. Um what kind of, I mean, do, do you still look back on your your years? You must do very fondly, right? Because you played at a very high level for a very long time and you played with some amazing players and, and you coached some amazing players as well. Yeah, well, no, Cincinnati is always home. That's where my, my family was raised. My children still live there. Um, you know, after playing the championship game when it was 59 below with the wind chill, I, I, I didn't want snow anymore, so I moved a little farther south. But, but I've got uh, you know a foundation in Cincinnati, the Kent Anderson Alliance, which we're trying to build a, a live, work, and play community for adults with developmental disabilities. Um, my kids are back there. My grandkids are back there. So because of those factors, we get back uh, geez, at least once a month. Uh, and so I'm always down at the stadium when I'm back there. And, have a good relationship with uh, with Andy Dalton and AJ McCarron, and you know, and of course Marvin, the coaches, and and, and Mike Brown, and I always spend uh, about a half hour chatting every time I'm in town. Mm. And I wanted to ask you real quick um, about that uh, freezer bowl because it was an anniversary. You know, it was one of those kind of on this day in history. I think it was last week or the week before where it popped up on our Twitter timelines, and huh? I mean. It was an extraordinary game. You were playing a very good team with Dan Fouts and the Air Coriel offense there with the San Diego Chargers. Um, but that, I mean, what, what, just as someone who played in that game, what was it like in terms of the kind of the physical challenge to play in those temperatures? Well, you know, the, the worst thing was the wind. Uh, the, the second worst thing was the old AstroTurf was very hard when it was frozen. Right. Uh, it, it was almost like playing on concrete. And, and I will tell you one story about the that game that, that could be my most embarrassing moment ever, that uh, it was during the first quarter, and they brought in heated benches for that game, and we had never seen them before. And so it's the first quarter, and I'm sitting on the bench, and luckily I've got my helmet on because I'm sitting there, and they've got slots for your feet to go in, and I'm sitting on my hands. <laughs> And there's a, a, a large roar from the crowd, and I stand up uh, to see if there's a turnover. If I'm going back on the field, and I start to fall, and my feet don't come out of the slots, and the first thing that hits is my face mask, and I'm seeing stars, and, and I'm calling for the trainer and smelling salt, and I'm saying I can't get knocked out of the AFC Championship game falling off a bench. Right. Now, you know, in, in, in today's world, there would have been more cameras. Somebody would have caught caught it on film, whether it's a cell phone or something, and uh, and I never would have moved it down. Absolutely. Ken, this is the last question. You've been an absolutely brilliant guest. At the start of this podcast, we all have, we always bring in a few craft beers, and you know, we like to have a beer while we do the podcast. What is Ken Anderson's favorite beer of choice? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a light beer drinker, and, and, and so Coors Light is my, my brand of choice. Coors Light is Ken Anderson's beer of choice. You yeah, remember that. Now, you heard it first. Yeah, now, now, over there, you know, your beer's a little bit heavy, and, and so I got by, you call it a shanty, where there's a little bit of lemonade uh, on top of the yes, beer? Yes, a bit of a shanty. Yep, so that it becomes a little bit lighter for me to drink, and, and I did have a lot of those when I was over there for a week. Coors Light is Ken Anderson's beer of choice. We all yeah, remember now, that. Now, we heard it here first. Yeah, now, now, over there, you know, your beer's a little bit heavy, and, and so I got by, you call it a shanty, 
where there's a little bit of lemonade uh, on top of the yes, beer. Yes, a bit of a shandy. Yeah, so that it, it becomes a little bit lighter for me. Yes. And, and I did have a lot of those when I was over there for a week. Right, I bet you did, yeah. Kenny, listen, <laughs> thank you thank you so much for the time. We, we can't thank you enough for, for chatting with us. And obviously we're trying to build the fan base here in the UK and and to have someone like you on is just sensational so thank you so much for the time uh best wishes to you and your family and hopefully we can catch up well, again sometime well when next time the bengals are over there you only appear at the admiralty uh for doing the show <laughs> and uh the only thing that i i ask is that uh, you don't make it so long before you have me on again Okay, well, 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 right. What can I say? Right, is, is next week all right? <laughs> Cause love well, your name on it. Yeah, yes. I, I, well, I, I tell you what, as we get close to the season and we're training camp, give me a call back. Well, we appreciate that, Kenny. Well, uh, honestly, what a pleasure and a privilege to talk to you. Thanks so much, and uh, yes, well, we'll the, speak the, to you soon, obviously. Yeah, the pleasure has been all mine, and guys, thanks for having me. Cheers. So that was unbelievably ken anderson on the line from what was it uh, south carolina where he was i think he mentioned something like that yeah that's amazing isn't it ken anderson on this podcast i mean it's episode six and i tell you what i cannot believe how lucky we've been with guests and you know a lot of credit has to go for paul here for doing the work there but ken anderson ladies and gentlemen you know I'm what real. a lovely I'm guy real. and we we had a taste of that as we mentioned in the admiralty club oh, yeah. he was just there mixing with the fans he was giving out some banter as well absolutely i was wearing a boomer shirt and he he was like a uh, boomer shirt excuse <laughs> me but yeah what a lovely man and what an amazing player if if you've never seen ken anderson play you must have heard of him I urge you to go onto youtube and watch ken anderson because he was like brady-esque yeah, and yeah. he was the NFL MVP. I yeah. mean, that's what Brady Peyton Manning does. I yeah. mean, why he's not in the Hall of Fame is beyond me. But also check out Isaac Curtis and yeah. Pete Johnson and yeah. Dan Ross. Yeah. These were kind of players before our time, but incredible players as well. And that segues into we always like to do questions. We all always like to put it out there to you guys. Um, so in future, do at us at whoday underscore UK and hit us up on the Bengals UK Facebook page. We always do like to receive lots of correspondence and questions and opinions um, because I keep saying it, it's, it's, it's as much about you as it is about sure us. your little tagline, that is. It is. It's it as much about you as it is about us. <laughs> but it's totally Jesus true. Jesus Christ. Right, um, but it segues <laughs> into Ross on Twitter who got in touch and uh, he's at Dalton to AJ, great Twitter handle there. Solid handle. Um, he said, "Give us five of your favourite Bengals players ever." And I have to say, wow, that's a that's a tough question. It is a tough because you know, <clears throat> as much as you know, we've had some downtimes. We have had some fantastic players, some fantastic coaches, some fantastic innovators. Yeah, and that should not be forgotten. So my, I'm going to chip in. You I, go first. I'm going to go for the old boys to to meet my kind of my own age. Yeah. Um, I've got to go Boomer. He was just an incredible, incredible quarterback for two, three years. Again, another NV, an NFL MVP. I personally, my favourite player was James Brooks, who was Giovanni Bernard times 10. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was kind of skinny. He was kind of wiry. He was kind of small. But goodness me, he absolutely, running through the tackles, 
kind of catching out the backfields, loads of touchdowns. Yeah. He was amazing. David Fulcher is another player that I really loved growing up. He was a he was one of the safeties. He he was with Solomon Wilcox back there in the in the secondary. And he was basically Troy Palomalu before Troy Palomalu. Yeah. He was he had a, a linebacker's build and he would just destroy people. So those those are three of my favourites. And I have to I have to add Ken um not because we've just had him on, but he was a truly great player and certainly, I think, the best Bengals quarterback of all time. Yeah. Well, it's a, I mean, you've done a good job there, Paul, like off the cuff there. It's like you've rehearsed that one. Um, <laughs> for me, I, I've got to put Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco in that situation. I mean, I do love, as much as I love the NFL for it being a sport, I love it from an entertainment value. And not only as a player, but as an entertainer, Chad Johnson, he revolutionized the game i think from an entertainment standpoint a really good guy funny guy an interesting guy the real pioneer of twitter on the nfl he was the initial guy that really hit twitter up from an nfl standpoint and you know i would love if we could ever get him on this podcast you know that would be absolutely unbelievable he's number one he's he would number be amazing. one i think we need to get him i think he'd be a good laugh wouldn't he andrew whitworth is on my list. I, I mean, I don't think you could get a more loyal, genuinely good guy that also is just an amazing player on the field. Um, I'm going to struggle to come up with five off the top of my head. Fontes perfect from an entertainment standpoint. I just think he's an amazing character. And we had a question, actually. Uh, we're not going to answer the question. We had a, tw- a question literally pop up on our feed as we're recording the podcast about having a serious discussion about Burfecht. And we're going to talk about that next week, yeah. aren't we? we yeah. I think there's an interesting topic. Let's get into Vontez next week. But Let's get I think, him on. Again, Burfecht, but Vontez, <laughs> if you want to come on. Um, but he's a, Burfecht's an incredible player and also a great character. I'd probably put him there for that. I really like Carson Palmer as well. I, I mean, I'm kind of reaching here. And I, I think Simon made an excellent point. Um, on this podcast a few weeks ago that he quit on the team, and he did. But Castle Palmer was one of the reasons I supported the Bengals, and I think from a talent standpoint, was an excellent player. And, you know, if things had maybe fallen the right way, we could have maybe gone all the way with him as quarterback. And this is one, again, I, 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 I don't know if he's my favorite. I don't know if he's my top five, but I love Chris Henry as well. I think, you know, the tragic circumstances in which he left were... You know, very, very difficult, but he's got a soft spot, so I, I'd stick him on the spot in my top five. That's a good shout, I think. And uh, I'd add Geno Atkins in there. Mm. And me, personally, Michael Johnson. Can well. I have Marvin in there, actually? He's not a player. <laughs> Come on now, you and your Marvin. Just because they're sexy. The sexy. Back on me and Marvin. Okay. We should be and Marvin should have our own podcast about that. Easy. Um, right, now, Nathan. Yeah. Right, there's the cat again. Right, now, during the Ken Anderson interview, the cat made an appearance and... um... You literally, I I can't tell you, right, that interview will probably come out nicely. I cannot tell you the blood pressure levels between me and Paul. (laughs) The cat starts going, like this, halfway through the podcast. Well, they probably did hear it. Paul, after about five meows, goes out to try and get Shepard the cat away, knocks the sound gear over... I'm left on my own. Me and Ken Anderson are having a chat. I've not scripted anything. Paul's supposed to go next. Absolute nightmare. And do you know what? The cat is a Bengal cat. Yeah, yeah that's the Which irony. Is the of most it. the irony of it, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
So if you, I can't be asked going out, Shima. If you hear the cat, I'm sorry, but you know he's now part of the podcast as much as you and me are. Really. He might as well. We, we, did, we don't have a third special guest from a UK fan this year, so we're going to say the cat. If we ever week, have, sorry. if we ever can't get a guest from America, we're going to have a feline guest, I think. But back to this. Yeah. Last week, Nathan, yeah. you said this. I'd like to invite the fans Go on. to tweet us yeah. your podcaster of the year. Okay. So it's between me and Paul. No, don't do oh, that. So you can either tweet, tweet us yeah. with hashtag Bengals UK Awards and either put Nathan or Paul. Now, I was a bit sceptical <laughs> about that. I, I literally hope you'd forgot. I, was I looked at your notes and I was like, he's forgotten. I've, I've not forgotten. Now, I was against that because I was absolutely oh, certain that no. people, if, if anybody did vote, that um, they would choose you, right? Because you're the funny guy, I'm the straight oh, guy. Dear. However, however, <laughs> I would say, apart from Simon Hunter, who did vote for the cat, um, uh, people kind of, whether it was a, an ironic thing or whatever, uh, they voted for me. And I do believe that no, you no, said you whoever lost oh, the vote. No would have to perform a forfeit. So I have a forfeit for you, Nathan. Not on this podcast. You've got to let me build up, you've got to, let me build up to it. No, well, not on this podcast. I'm going to give you... I'm not that unkind. Right. However, so in London, Nathan Palmer... Yep. We have something called Speaker's Corner. I'll stop it. Now, I'm going to read this from Wikipedia because it's. I've had, you know, half a bottle of wine again and some beer uh, a speaker's corner is uh, is an area where open air public speaking debate and discussion are allowed the original and most noted is in the northeast corner of hyde park in london speakers here may talk on any subject as long as the police consider their speeches <laughs> lawful we might be struggling with it then might we although this right is not restricted to speaker's corner only contrary to popular belief there is no immunity from the law nor are uh, any subjects prescribed but in practice the police tend to be tolerant and therefore intervene only when they receive a complaint right so your forfeit where is this going fire. basically um not that many people voted, but I did win 4-0. 4-0? Uh, <laughs> like, there's not one fan listening to this podcast that could have chucked in a hashtag Nathan. And I appreciate the love there. It's all gone. It's all gone, Nathan. It's, it's all Christ. over. So your forfeit is we're both of us are going to go down to Speaker's Corner are in we? Hyde Park. And you are, I'm going to give you a script, right? <laughs> and you are going to stand up on a little platform in your Bengal shirt, right? And you're going to tell us how much you love Joe Mixon. <laughs> leave, it. leave it out. No, no, no. A forfeit is out. a forfeit. Uh, how a much forfeit I love Joe a... Mixon. Yes. Got to be over in five seconds. No, because you're going to read my script. <laughs> <laughs> this should be like premium content where people have to subscribe and pay Absolutely. more for that. So we're going to go down, hopefully in the next week, maybe, if Jesus we can fit it in, Christ. and then we'll report back. Thank you so much, everyone, for this. You know, I, we do this podcast, we give up our spare time. <laughs> I don't even get one bloody vote off one here. Cheers. Well, there you go. Right, okay. So, um, questions, 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 questions. Um, we've already... T Richard Jones tweeted us, and we've always already kind of talked about the offensive lines, haven't we? Um, so we won't get there, Richard, but thank you for getting in touch. Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan... Said, it's a good handle as well. Given the amount of chunk plays, stroke yards we gave up last season, 
particularly in important games, is it time to admit our secondary isn't fit for the job? WJ3 seems like he could be a top corner, but honestly, everyone else should be taking a long, hard look at their play. Before we start answering this question, isn't it brilliant that Twitter now that's gone to 280 characters? Because, Duncan, you would have had to send us about three tweets to get that in mm. before. Um, to answer your question, Duncan, WJ3 looks awesome. I think we can all agree with that. Darquez Denard, I hope, can be the second guy. And I think he can. I think the question for us next year is, what do we have in Pac-Man? Because I, I, there's a lot of people that will say, you know, we probably should move on from Pac-Man, whether you're talking about ability or you're talking about just purely, um, you know, character issues. I am not sure... Pac-Man Jones keeps himself in good shape, but I hope he can come back next season and play well. I'm not sure whether some of the other guys perhaps can step up, a Josh Shaw or someone like that. But, He's had a nightmare. I like Joshua, but he had a nightmare last yeah, year. Yeah, and, you know, can someone like Kivare Russell step up? I mean, we'll maybe stretching at that point. I think they'll take another cornerback in the draft. Yeah, the thing is with the Bengals, I mean, a lot of teams are quite thin at corner, and over the last couple of years, I think we've been a bit guilty of maybe going a bit heavy at corner and really stacking ourselves up and, like, you know, burying rookies. I mean, Dre Kirkpatrick, we've not even talked about in this discussion, and you're talking about WJ3, Kirkpatrick, who we've paid a lot of money to, and Denard. Not many teams have a player I suppose Denard's probably the three. Not many teams have a player of Denard's calibre at the three. You know, you often have your number one who sort of like lines up against their number one. You maybe have a solid number two and a rotational three. I think we're okay at corner. And I think, you know, Paul said we maybe might take someone. Maybe, but I don't think it's essential. No, I agree. But, but I think to answer this question, you need to broaden it out to the whole defence. Hmm. And the chunk plays mostly come big runs and the run game was poor and also you know we all know that the linebacking position needs some help and yeah, yeah. we're we're in desperate need of some coverage linebackers so i don't think it's just the secondary i think actually we've got a pretty good secondary and as you say william jackson it looks like a pro bowler in the making yeah he does uh, Den- uh darquez denard had a terrific year last year dre kirkpatrick does have his moments his mind is kind of brain farts where he kind yeah. of gives up too much so i think he's not necessarily a liability but he's the sort of actually the weak point yeah um but i think i think a lot of teams know how to exploit us and attack us and that is over the middle into the mid into That's the good point into the flat into the mid range so i think the the linebackers kind of need the most help i think I also, especially in coverage i also think going back to your point about the run game just really quickly Geno Atkins is an all-pro. Next to him, you're talking Billings, you're talking Pat Sims. That is an absolute hole. Yeah. It really is. And you need at least a competent starter in there because defence is going to look at you and be like, we're going to double-team Geno and your guy who's playing there, be it Billings or Sims or whoever you're going to plug in there, even if you're going to plug Dunlap or anyone in in the centre of the line, you know, or whatever you do, that is a weakness. And we need to get better at the defensive tackle. Yeah, position. I think defensive tackle is something that will either look at him free agency or, or in the draft and I mean Michael Johnson had a better year when he was moved inside you bloody love Michael I Johnson do. I do I don't know why He's got your I've got man proper crush, man crush yeah, proper I want him on crush. I want him on um, okay uh, man Abulason uh, apologies if I've pronounced that incorrectly man uh, can we have another meltdown over Joe Mixon for offensive MVP? I'll give it to you. Nope. Oh, no, nope. No, 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 no. Can, nope. can I have 20 nope. seconds to respond to nope. this point? 20 seconds. Go on then. Joe Mixon, right. And this is the thing. I've got to go speaker's corner now. 
<laughs> you lot are just winding me up by sending me this about Mixer being offensive MVP <laughs> because look at his yards per carry. If Jeremy Hill had had the same season as Mixon and averaged 3.3 or 3.2 yards a carry, you lot be fuming. You'd be going absolutely mental. Oh, he's useless here. We need to move on. He's over that. What's wrong with him? Like, you know, yeah, he can't average carries like that. Blah, blah, blah. Because it's Mixon, he's young and he's a second round pick. And some geezer on Twitter said, oh, he was brilliant at Oklahoma. When did he get in go? Two seconds left. Two seconds left. <laughs> you lot are all dead excited. I hate hype without justification. No, I get Let I, the I man. Get- Average four and a half. Let the guy be Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette. If he's like that, I'm absolutely... Maybe I even leave Marvin for Joe Mixon. But like wow. at the moment, at the moment, you're talking about a guy that is definitely talented, hasn't proved anywhere near his ability, and has a very serious off-the-field issue that is not that easy to overlook for me. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, absolutely. But what I would but say... Longer than 20 seconds. Mitigating circumstances. Yeah. Offensive line... But also, I think you just look at the way he runs, and, and, and he does make something out of nothing. He makes people miss. He runs with strength. He runs with agility. I think... I think. If, if, so do I, Paul. Uh, oh, hello. I've not seen that before. <laughs> Maybe we'll go down to Hyde Park, and you can show me your uh, moves. Get some pads on. Tom McDowell. Uh, hi, Tom. Tom McDowell is a loyal Bengals fan. Is the very special guest Paul's cat. I think we proved that... Uh, no offence, Kenny, but yes... The cat is here. Uh, ben Wintle on Facebook. Do you think we should be worried about the Browns next year? If you do think someone like Baker Mayfield, I'm guessing, yeah. is available in the draft, should we take him? And if not, why not? Well, do you think we should be following the draft pattern of the Jags and building a championship-caliber defense with our first few round picks? Now, there's a few questions in there, so real quick. I'm going to say quickly, just like we discussed earlier, go the route of the Jags. Build around a quarterback. Dalton's better than Bortles, I think. Build around that. Get the defense going. Get some weapons up. I think we more than do it. Like I said, the last three quarterbacks, you've got Case Keenan, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles. Oh, Nick Foles, like I said, is a bit of a caveat. But anyway. So you're going to say something out then. Build, build around <laughs> Dalton. In terms of should we be worried about the Browns next year, it's easy for me to make a tongue-in-cheek comment, oh, the Browns are useless. Jacksonville were useless. I want to lay it down. They were awful. And I really do think that the Browns, as ridiculous as it sounds, have won one game in the last two years. I think next year they'll win five or six games. Whether that's enough for Hugh Jackson to keep his job or anyone to be that excited, I don't know. But they have a serious amount of cap room. They're going to draft a quarterback. You know, maybe they're... I don't think we should be worried about them. How about Alex Smith to the Browns? be great it, it, that would be excellent for the browns that 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 would be excellent for them i have to say i don't think it's going to be long until the browns make this you know come full circle because really the jags don't. have done it yeah, yeah the jags yeah, yeah, have done yeah. it and also that's that's how the nfl is built it's yeah. built to kind of make bad teams good and and vice versa you know yeah, so yeah. addressing the last point ben really quickly baker mayfield if he's available do we take, take him? him? If he's best player available. You think we take you are you joking? Well we're gonna get rid of McCarran, right? Either way. Yeah, so we need a decent backup. Because he's not gonna be available in the second I don't, round. I don't think he's gonna be first round. Oh I will bet you hundred quid here. Right. I'll bet you a forfeit. He will, right, a forfeit. Alright, a forfeit. I'll shake right, we're shaking hands. Shake yeah. prom, you, you tell the fans you're shaking hands. I'm shaking hands with Nathan. That Baker Mayfield will be a number one. Quite <laughs> number vigorously. One, a vigorous handshake. Baker Mayfield will go in the first round. I've got an amazing forfeit lined up. We shouldn't take him. <laughs> Dalton's our guy. And and I think until Dalton's blatantly a 
you know, outside a top 20 quarterback. We need to just stick with him and build the team. I think he is outside the top 20. How about that? How do you like them apples? Ooh, anyway, we can discuss All that. Right. So final question of the night goes to Simon Hunter. Uh, can we get Palmer's top worst players of all time? <laughs> if you remember last week, uh, much wow. beer was consumed and much, oh, I did know about that. much mics <laughs> were broken. So Nathan went on a very shouty rant uh, about his, what were they, the top? Top plays top of all time? Top five Bengals plays of all time. So Simon's asked... a great for the... question by Mike Smith. So, Nathan, Simon's asked for the top worst players of all time. I still have dreams about that from last week. Simon said that, not me. Um, so, the floor is yours, Nathan. This is a tough one because I think you naturally remember the better plays than the worst ones. But... I've got four, and Paul is going to finish us off with a fifth. So I'm going to lead in now. And this was one, and this is, I'm going to preface this by, I remember this so well. And this was before the days of NFL Game Pass. It was before the days of video, and well, not before the days of video, but before the days of when you could really see the games. And I was on NFL.com watching a very, very archaic little, where the counters used to move around. It would say, Rudy Johnson rushes for five yards, and a little arrow would peek forward five yards. We were playing the Denver Broncos, right? The Denver Broncos. At the last minute, Carson Palmer rallies us down the field, the whole length of the field. I think it might even have been week one. He rallies us down the field, and I'm watching these arrows going left, right, left, right. We're going all the way down the field. Palmer hits. I'm going to say it's Hushmanzada. I don't know it's Hushmanzada, but I'm saying it's Hushmanzada because it's a great name to say. I'm absolutely out of my seat. I'm a 14, 15-year-old pumping my fists. We've done it. I'm absolutely buzzing off my nut. There's 10 seconds left. Kyle Orton's in the gun on second and 10. It's over. They're at the 14-yard line. How are you going 86 yards in one play? And this is one of the most famous of Gus Johnson's streaks. It's Orton back in the shotgun. Stokely! Brandon Stokely down the sidelines! Brandon Stokely. So you with a commentator Welsh? 80... <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Stokely down the sidelines gets a tip ball goes 86 yards takes the piss and runs down the middle of the end zone to milk the clock off that is all she wrote and I remember seeing that line come up on the screen an 86 yard line on the screen and that was about as bad as it gets the next one Again, this is probably a year later or maybe a year earlier. I can't even remember. I'm sat there, my first ever Bengals playoff game. We might have had the best team we ever had in 2005. Carson Palmer drops back, hits my man, Chris Henry, down the sidelines. Beautiful 35-yard gain. Henry comes up limping. The camera pans back to Palmer. He's on the floor. He looks like a deer that's been hit with a bullet in the side. He's down. He's like writhing in pain. I don't even think withering is a word. Writhing in pain. The geezer's at absolutely done for a year John Kittner comes in rallies us we lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers the rest is history that was about as heartbreaking as it gets Shane Graham our old friend Shane Graham against the Denver Broncos to secure us a playoff spot wasn't really Graham's fault Brad St. Louis bad snap in the snow the Bengals miss an extra point don't go to the playoffs because of it lose to the bloody Steelers the next week how many times are Pittsburgh coming up in this list and finally how many times have the Steelers come up in this list? <laughs> Jeremy Hill. The Bengals, my favourite play last year, last week I said, Vontez Berthick, like a salmon leaping, like a salmon, 
takes that ball away. Jeremy Hill, you give the ball back and you think, all we've got to do here is just milk a bit of clock, milk a bit of clock, kick the easy field goal. Milk a bit of clock. Milk a bit of, clock, a bit of clock. Move on to the next. You just give the, take the field goal, kick the ball back. 30 seconds left, we win that game. Jeremy Hill, he sees, he sees a bit of space. He sees a bit of space. And he thinks, you know, I've got six yards here. I don't need to just take two. I've got six yards. And he snakes it. And he coughs it. Snakes it and coughs it. He snakes it. And he coughs it. Steelers juggle it for a bit. My heart's in my mouth. And see, and the rest is his. I, I want to punch Paul in the face. I'm so angry talking about that. They are my worst four <laughs> plays. Easy. As a Bengals fan, that was probably the worst. Jeremy, what are you... Like, I'm not even going to swear. What are you doing? Keep two hands on the ball. Finish the job. I'm going to hand over to Paul Hirons now, who's giving us our fifth Bengals worst play of all time. It, well, it, to me, it's the worst play of all time. You could argue either way, but uh, I'll take you back, Nathan. I was a young man, a young lad even, <laughs> in my pyjamas. It was... Um, it was a cold Wednesday night. No, it was It was Super Bowl. It was the Super Bowl. Uh Tampa, Florida. How old were you? I was 15 years old. I cannot imagine a 15-year-old boy here on, by the way. Um, I was sitting in my parents' living room. They let me stay up to watch the the Super Bowl. It was a big deal. Um, It was a a strange game where neither team really took took it by the scruff of the neck. You know what I mean? The Bengals struggled to move the ball after a whole year of offensively being a juggernaut. Absolute juggernaut. They were against Montana. Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, all these stud players. I expected us to lose, but somehow, with seconds left, we were 16-13 up, right? 16-13 up in the Super Bowl. We were this close away from beating Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. Can you imagine how exciting that was? Except Joe Montana did what Joe Montana does. He marched the 49ers down the field, 92 yards. We all know what happened. But in the middle of that, the 49ers were at the 10-yard line, right? 10-yard line. They were were knocking on the door. They were knocking, right? They weren't actually, no. Rephrase that. that. They weren't knocking. They were like slamming it again. Pounding on the door. They were pounding. They were absolutely pounding on the door. We were bending but not breaking. Montana drops back to pass. He fires towards the end zone. Lewis Billups, our cornerback, jumps the route or route. Route. The ball lands in his hands. I mean, in his hands. And he drops it. Yeah. He drops it. It's a Super Bowl win in your hands, baby. The next, the next play, Montana threw a touchdown pass to John Taylor. With 34 seconds left. The rest is history. And the rest is history. Um, sadly, sadly, Lewis, <laughs> I hate to speak ill of the dead, but he, d- he died tragically in 1994 in a car accident. So, you know, it's, it's a horrible end to his life. But if you take his football, um, unfortunately, he'll always be... He was a good player. Yeah, yeah. Him and Eric Thomas were two good cornerbacks. Yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric was a, a Pro Bowl player, but Lewis wasn't far too far behind. Yeah, yeah. But that moment, if he'd have caught that interception, it would have been game over. Yeah. The so-called Bengals curse would have yeah. been broken. You know, years of pain. You know, Greg Cook. Yeah. Bill Walsh leaving. Yeah. The Super Bowl defeat with Kenny in 1981. Yeah. 
you know, Stanley Wilson getting nailed for cocaine use on the eve of the Super Bowl in 1989. Yeah. Lewis Phillips could have changed that. It was in his hands. It was in his kind of chair. It was just an astonishing, Can you- astonishing moment. And it was just like, ah, oh, we had it. We had it. And just finally, because you you proved yourself to be an excellent tipster, um, <laughs> <laughs> the championship games this weekend. Yep. Uh, Burnley against Aston Villa. No, not that not one. Not Burnley. Burnley ain't even the championship. Come on. Villa now. against, uh, where are we going to Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's hear your tips for right. Jacksonville at New England. Give it to me. Do you know what? Like In a sentence. New England a win. <laughs> Yes. But I think you make a very good point earlier about Jacksonville. And sometimes the Patriots struggle against extremely competent, aggressive defences. And I would not be shocked if Jacksonville won that game. Obviously, New England are the favourite. They're at home. They've been there before. And the thought of Blake Bortles knocking Tom Brady off in New England is quite extraordinary. But I do think that Jacksonville will give them a fight. I, if they did win, I wouldn't see Aaron be that confident. I don't know what you think, Paul. You I, think? I, I think you're absolutely right. I, it would be a fantastic story if the Jags could do it. I think they've got the defence to do it. Because you look at the, uh, with all the best will in the world, you look at the Patriots receivers versus the Steelers receivers. They're not on the same. No. Not quite, at least. But what New England do extremely well, they do it year in, year out. Belichick and his boys scheme the hell out of it and they take away the best players. Yeah. They take away their best points, their opponents' best points. Um, I think you're right. I think the Patriots will be um, favourites, but there's, you know, I think the Jags have, have, have a really good chance of winning. Minnesota, Philadelphia, Paul, where's your money? Oh, man. It's in Philly, isn't it? So I know silence isn't very good for a podcast, but it's a, it's a very difficult one to call. Minnesota. I'm going Minnesota. I think they're a, they're a really well-rounded team. Um, Keenum has been so impressive as well. He, he really has, and he's he's he's. I mean, you put a guy in the right situation, he can do it. Colin Kaepernick took a team to the Super Bowl, and he everyone was raving about him. And you know now he has he can't even get a job for a year as a backup. And Absolutely. I know there's other reasons around that, but Case Keenum is the ultimate journeyman backup. The ultimate journeyman backup, and he quite possibly, and we're saying he's the favourite for it, could be leading a team to the Super Bowl, which and is fair play to staggering. Him. Staggering, but that's the way sport has a not just the NFL, but sport yeah. in general has Leicester a city. has a has a way of of kind of coughing up these yeah, extraordinary yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, I like Minnesota as a as a team. I think they're really well rounded. Yeah. The, Phil- the only problem that I have with Minnesota winning is that Philly's defense is sensational. So is Minnesota's, though. So it could be, yeah. could be a real grind, a humdinger, a real old school defensive battle, a bit a like the slobber knocker, a bit of what? A slobber knocker, Ooh, as Jim if, Ross would say from if WWE. Had, if I had one of them, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> happy. But yeah, we're, we're, we're. What can we say? It's, it's an exciting time of the year. We're gutted that the Bengals aren't involved, but. You know what I mean? How how much fun is it to watch these games? It's Absolutely. Um, well, there we go. We've had Ken Anderson on the show. We've had a cat meowing its head off. <laughs> We've had Nathan's forfeit, and we will report.
report back on that before next week's episode <laughs> all being well. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much for corresponding with us. Keep it coming. Uh, we're getting so many new followers on Twitter. Um, we really feel like the Bengals UK movement, if you want to call it that, is starting to take a bit of shape. So, again, thank you so much. Uh, and I'll speak to you next week. Cheers, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.